0: Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we come together with pastors leaders from across our country and talk leadership because we believe leadership makes a difference. So we want you to know that we're extremely grateful that you are here joining us today. And we have a special guest here today. It's Pastor Jackie Thompson, all the way from California. Yes. How are you doing today?
1: I am wonderful. How are you? I am doing really good. Now tell me a
0: little bit about where you're from in California and where your church is out there.
1: I am from the Bay Area. That's what most people would know it as, the San Francisco Bay Area. We are the city across the bridge Uh known as Oakland. Oakland is about about half a million people mixed ethnicity we are a hood church as i say it a so hood church we are okay a hood church. there we go we're a church in the urban community uh-huh. celebrating 100 years with a wow. bit towards social justice so that's wow. who we
0: are and what's the name of your church
1: Allen Temple Baptist Church wow, in man.
0: Oakland California and we've recently had a big transition at Allen Temple We have so um we're really here today to learn about the transition pastor Jackie has just become within the last few months mm-hmm. the new pastor of this church yes and before you were pastor, tell us a little about your history at the church. So you didn't just come in to be the pastor.
1: No, I did not. Well, I was actually raised there, joined the church at 12 years old, wow. sat under who is now our pastor emeritus, who pastored 40 years. And then his son came after him and pastored 10 years. Uh-huh. I came home and served as assistant pastor for 10 years. And then wow. the church made a decision in April. So I became the first female senior pastor in 100 years.
0: Wow. That's, that's a few years. That's yeah. a few years just a few. Now t- see this is this is fascinating because you were assistant pastor for the last 10 years before yes. this. Mm-hmm. So tell us what it was like in what many would call a number 2 role mm-hmm. to support to um to lead when you're not the one ultimately in charge, what did it look like being an assistant pastor for 10 years?
1: Well, leading from the second chair. Uh And so it was a supportive role. It was um, really a role of Mm self-management because you have to keep your own motivations in check, your own aspirations. You have to be careful to keep the expectations of people in check. And remember that your role is to support and benefit the senior pastor.
0: Wow. Now, what does it look like over time, over years, to be someone who supports a number one or a lead pastor somewhere. What is, how are you, how can you be successful at being a number two?
1: Being clear about what your role is is number two. Uh I think it was different for me because I also had an itinerary preaching ministry. So I was traveling and doing conferences and revivals. Mm -hmm. But I knew Mm -hmm. that my first priority was to be a support to the pastor in that home church and help bring forth that vision. And I was clear on what my role was in that Mm -hmm. and that I served at the pleasure of that leader. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't about what people thought or if someone thinks you're more gifted or more this because people will pump your head. Right. And have you thinking that you should be sitting in a seat that God has not called you to. And so uh-huh. it was a matter of being really, really clear that for this season, for this time, this is what I'm called to do. So however the Lord wants me to function in this second chair, Amen. I function in this second chair right. like wow. a co-pilot. Man,
0: I've I've heard it said many times, don't believe the press. Don't
1: believe the press. Don't Especially believe. if it's coming from you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is the truth. So mm-hmm. you've, you've been uh, an assistant pastor there for 10 years, Mm -hmm. and it comes time for a search for a new pastor. Yes. Tell us a little bit what that looked like. Um, and if your name was in the hat or not in the hat and how that all went
2: down.
1: (laughs) Well, we're Baptists, So, you know, they did what Baptist churches do and formed a committee and had a nationwide search and Mm -hmm. I was not going to apply because I had never felt, uh, necessarily that I was to be the lead pastor. And that had a lot to do with seeing female examples, had a lot to do with Mm -hmm. gender bias, had a lot to do with outside. Okay. understanding but I had an amazing relationship with the people and they kept saying please just consider please just consider mm-hmm. so I said oh we're just gonna appease the people so on the last day of the process I'm scribbling hey send me a letter it's due no I need it now it's due uh-huh. at 10 o'clock but the process is gonna close at 10 and so they narrowed it down probably from about 20 candidates to three and then I found out that they were gonna move forward with two and I was not one of the two So in my mind, that's an answer to prayer. The Lord has answered. So you continue to serve in this interim capacity and then, you know, move on, see what the next call is going to be. But as the Lord would have it, you know, the people were really determined and were really clear Mm -hmm. and made it clear that we want it to be you.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. So so you're you you don't think it's going to be you. But Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden it is going to be you. What Mm -hmm. are the emotions going through your head at this moment?
1: Um, Unbelief. Unbelief. Because I'm doing all of this while serving because Mm -hmm. the senior pastor had retired. And so I'm running it. I'm serving. It's just me. And I'm thinking, okay, we have a final decision. Now I can start planning in another direction. And all of a sudden the tide shifts. And literally in a matter of two months, I went from my name not being considered actually Mm. out of the process to the only candidate being considered. So that was nothing but the hand of God, Mm -hmm. nothing but the hand of God.
0: Did you have any fears um, because of what you had thought a pastor was going to look like at a church and What were the fears going through your head and did you face any opposition? Mm -hmm. What did that look like?
1: Well, absolutely, because I inherited the church. I came behind a family that had a tremendous legacy. Mm -hmm. So for 50 years, we were pastored by a father and son duo Mm -hmm. who did amazing things. They built housing. They set up HIV AIDS programs, known Mm -hmm. across the nation just for the service work. So there's first the idea of yes, she's been a beneficiary, Mm -hmm. but can you really manage and sustain this? The second piece was are you sure Uh because this is not something that you can kind of step into and and step out of (laughs) the third was what is this going to look like for other parts of your life you're single you don't have any all of the stuff that comes in into play with that and lord what is your role for me for such a time as Mm -hmm. this what is the the impact that i'm supposed to make so all of that was swirling meanwhile the ship is on the water Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you still, you know, have to sail the ship, but God gives grace. Wow. And so God has been so very gracious and has allowed the transition to be smooth. Our Mm -hmm. pastor emeritus is still there. He yields and stands before the people and says, this is my pastor. And I also worried about being a daughter of the church and a daughter of the ministry. They say you can't cross the same river twice. And so now I'm kind of living in the river, swimming in the river. Right. <laughs> and so, but God has been gracious and the people have been kind.
0: Now, what does that mean in a transition to have the former pastor there with you during that transition. What difference has that made?
1: Uh, It's made a wonderful difference in terms of historical context, Mm -hmm. and advice, and wisdom, and leadership. But at the same time, learning that you can walk the same path, but you don't have to wear the same shoes.
2: Oh, we're two so totally
1: different people mm-hmm. um, and having the freedom to be able to walk in the grace that God has given me. So I don't have to do it the way you do it. It doesn't have to turn out the way it would turn out if it were you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, recognizing we need the wisdom of our senior leaders yes. because they've traveled this road before and some of the pitfalls are the same.
0: Wow. So mm-hmm. so as you're jumping into this, this new role is evolving and you're, you're, you're now the pastor of your church. Um, what is your game plan when this becomes a reality when Wendy when you sit down and start mapping out what am I going to do now what is some advice you give to leaders who are listening who are in a new role maybe they saw coming maybe they didn't see coming mm-hmm. what are some things they can do to begin to map out a transition
1: honestly the first thing that comes to mind is numbers mm-hmm. When God told the people to enter the promised land and the first thing that God instructed them to do was take a census. Right. He said, count everybody. You need to know who's in each tribe. You Mm -hmm. need to know. And so survey where you are. The church that we were 40 years ago, we are not now. The community that we reside in has changed completely. And so that has context for ministry. Mm -hmm. It means some things are going to have to change. We're going to have to look at improving some things, cutting some things. So take a census. See who's with you, who's around you. Survey the land. What does it look like? And then he said, arrange your camp. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's a matter of identifying who's in the congregation. And I find in our church, we have the people who lead always lead. But what that means is that there is talent that sits in the pew that goes untapped Mm. because we never create space and opportunity for their leadership gift to rise to the surface. And so look at who you're working with currently. Arrange them in such a way so that it leaves room for new leadership, new generations to be able to step into the the role okay. and then once you've done that revisit what God said because something is gonna happen along the way where you say wait a minute is this what I'm really supposed to be doing mm-hmm. but what I find is the mission does not change the vision does not change mm-hmm. the method changes mm-hmm. as to how we articulate that vision in that mission mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of some of the first things that you have to do as you begin to get your own footing and develop your mm-hmm. own identity as a pastoral
0: leader. Now, tell me how that's gone for you
1: well I've been lucky because we've been in a centennial celebration literally for a whole year. And okay. so it's been party after party <laughs> after party. Timing is everything. But now that the actual celebration is over, I am in that process now. So for okay. the last three months of this year saying, Okay, we've honored everybody. Right. We've celebrated a hundred years of God's faithfulness. You've had this historic election where you've brought in not only a new pastor but a new female pastor, the first mm-hmm. one. Okay, we've done all that. Now what? Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty is coming. Mm -hmm. So what does the future hold? So this month is a time for us to begin to shift our attention to the beginning of our next 100 years, because that's really where we are.
0: Wow. So when you talk about a 100-year-old church Mm -hmm. going to the next 100 years, Mm -hmm. what does it look like? for methods to change. Some would call it going from traditional to contemporary Mm -hmm. or whatever you call it, going from one generation to a next. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you guys are thinking about at your church to transition to the next 100 years?
1: Well, we already have a Hispanic church that we're looking at expanding because we rest Mm -hmm. in a community that is predominantly Hispanic. And so what we are learning is that generally when people do that, they do it in isolation. So Mm -hmm. it's our church here and then it's another church over there. But I've come to know that people are attracted to what they see. And so we're looking at diversifying our staff. We're looking at Mm -hmm. our membership is diversifying. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. My biggest passion is economic revitalization. Because when you're in an urban community, where you're in a food desert, where there's lack of banking systems, Mm -hmm. there are all kinds of things. And we're this huge campus. And I believe we are called to bring impact and transformation to that neighborhood. We're not supposed to drive through all of this dilapidation and then pull up to this beautiful campus. There ought to be something that's flowing from this house Mm -hmm. that sparks visible change in the neighborhood that we live in. So that is our focus, is empowering people financially, oh. making sure that their faith not only translates into their spiritual experience and worship, but translates into every area of their lives, including the community they live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to affect how we worship, how long we worship, the traditional whoa, things, whoa, whoa. You what you, you say. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, you got to stop there for a second. <laughs> how long we worship. Yes. Talk about what you mean there.
1: Because we're living in an age, and I think people don't realize it, that, that time has really changed
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so we are in a generation now where we can take in five streams of information at one time so when yeah. i watch cnn i'm just not watching anderson cooper you know give a news report i'm looking at the ticker tape scrolling across the bottom i'm looking at right. the news scores that are scrolling down the side i'm looking at the dow jones in the market in a mm-hmm. corner and so what it means is that people have the ability to take in a lot in a shorter period of time mm-hmm. and then we have to be mindful of balance so you have families if you want to attract families yeah. okay well the kids play soccer on sunday And so, even though we want to be in here until five o'clock, their game starts at noon. And so, it would be helpful. Uh You know, if they could have a service where they came in and worship and still got out to be able to manage and balance the other parts of their lives. Mm -hmm. It has to do with music and songs. The things that spoke to you don't speak to another generation. We were having the whole Kanye debate at lunch earlier. I know, we'll step light, we'll leave that there. Y'all might not be ready for the Kanye thing. Oh, I'm ready. We're talking about Chick fil A, but I like the Chick fil A. So, (laughs) gotcha. You close those closed on Sundays. Right. <laughs> but those kinds of real conversations and mm-hmm. recognizing that our church can't just be a safe haven for us. Mm. Because that's what happens, particularly when you've experienced greatness and growth. You, you intend to, to encase it mm. so that you can keep it like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. Come on, let's build some igloos. Let's build sure. some temples. Let's put up some tents and stay here. That's, That's sure. not the call. The call is for you to come here, have this experience, and go down the mountain because at the foot of the mountain, there is something that requires the power that you just got on top of the
0: mountain. Right. I've heard our pastor here, Pastor Conway, say, um, he challenged us. He says, we don't want to be settlers. We mm-hmm. want to be pioneers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This isn't just for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what What are some of the challenges that you see the next generation Uh, in in reaching the next generation?
1: I think there is an underlying distrust of institutionalized religion, Mm. period. And so because there is a distrust of institutions, mm-hmm. the fact that we are more of an institutional church will be a challenge. I think we are living in an age where people have taken um, spiritual but not religious. They've taken it off mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. and made it kind of the you know banner for their life. Right. And so really trying to drive home to people that you need a connection. And not just a connection. You need fellowship. At some right. point, you need to come right. put your hands on somebody else. Let them put their hands on you. Mm-hmm. And so I think those kinds of things. But the biggest challenge will be how do we regain the trust of a generation that in many ways we fail by mm-hmm. making sure our actions didn't line up with what it was we were teaching. Right. And so I think once you can get past that distrust and once you can elevate a cause for them, it'll be easier to bring them in. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. And leaders, um, we want to thank you for joining in and listening today. Um, just talking about transition, talking about the next generation, talking about Pastor Jackie going from number two to number one and what that what? looks like. And I just even think about, <laughs> there's so many of us that are in the number two seat, striving to be a number one that mm-hmm. don't need to be. Mm-hmm. And there's some in the number two that don't want to be a number one, but need to be mm-hmm. and how God just works all that out together. Yeah. So, um, and
1: let the Lord do it.
0: Let the Lord do it. Let the Lord do it. Well, leaders, we know um, that it's a gift when you tune in and listen to us, and we pray that this has been a deposit into your leadership and into your organization or church, and we want to thank you again for joining us. Um, If this has been helpful to you, it would be so helpful to us. If you would share, if you would like, however you listen to the podcast, help us get the word out about what he's doing here at the Leadership Roundtable. Thank you again, and we'll see you next month.